Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Well, yeah, but uh, of course he had to make the mistake before he was able to make the make the play there. But yeah, I don't know. Did you uh, by oh, chance watch any of the skills competition? I was curious about that. I didn't have a chance to watch it, but uh, I did not either. I, I'm sure it was cool. Probably a lot cooler than the the game and watching NFL players not try to tackle each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Uh, Super Bowl Roundtable 2017 edition. Uh, I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Uh, with me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins Wagner, like I just alluded to. Um, joining us on the phone, um, maybe via Skype right now, uh, Mark Schofield from Inside the Pylons. Patch Mark through here. How's everybody doing? Good, good. How's it going, Mark? Not too bad. Well, thank Thank you for joining us. Uh, like I said, Mark is from inside the pylon. Now, I I think you maybe take a little bit of a modest approach to that, but I mean, don't isn't that like your site? I mean, I wouldn't say it's my site. I mean, there was a group of us that kind of started it. I think um, I've written the bulk of the articles so far, but I was able to take a step back this year as we added a lot of guys to help write. But I'm just one of the faces there. Um, I don't take any sort of full credit for the ITP. It was uh, a lot of heads put that site together. Okay, so like yeah, like we said, Mark is a part of the <laughs> inside the pilot. There we go. Uh, also. Also is an author of a book called 17 Drives, which is uh, one of my favorites. Uh, pretty sure you know Alex Kirby, so that's right next to Alex Kirby's books on my bookshelf. And uh, you also do a little re- re- reporting for uh, Bleacher Report on tight ends and wide receivers. Is that all correct there, Mark? That's all correct, and I'm glad to, to hear that you've got that book next to Alex's. Um, Alex is one of the guys that really kind of inspired me to write a book, actually. Um, I've written a bunch of stuff that he's written. Um, love the new Belichick book that he put out. So to hear that mine's next to his, I, I consider that a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah, we've had him on at least at least two or three times now, I think. But, yeah, he's a great guy and glad glad that he inspired you to do this. A very good read. Def, definitely a different a different look at things as you just kind of explored uh, 17 different drives in the, the 2015 college football season. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. 
Okay, awesome. Well, we asked Mark to join. This is a we're kind of our Super Bowl roundtable edition. Um, typically, we have more people on, but I don't know. I just kind of wanted to stream it down. There's sometimes we have way too many people on, so the guy we're just let's just gonna have one guest, and then we have our our biggest guy coming here after Mark leaves too. So we'll, we'll, we're we're gonna hit the Super Bowl really hard for you today, folks. Um, and if Casey noticed Mark's name, he did contribute to our Q and A a couple weeks ago. So thanks thanks for doing that. Uh, Mark, that was the uh, pre uh, pre conference championship games. So, uh, thank you for doing that. We appreciate you helping us out there. Oh, of course, I, I loved hopping on and you know contributing the way I could with some Q and A stuff. Um, as I kind of predicted, though, I got the Patriots game plan stuff wrong, and I knew that that was going to happen. <laughs> I said that you know they tried to do something different with Antonio Brown, and of course, what they did, they just put Malcolm Butler on him and called it a day. So, you know, I, I might even. Con- guess at the same game plan and try something different with Julio Jones, but I'll probably get it wrong again. But as I said, I always get Belichick's game plans wrong. I just, he's just a crazy well, genius. If, what can I say? Any, yeah. And if anybody figured Belichick out, we, we wouldn't be in the Super Bowl again. We'd be so, talking about two different teams. Uh, yeah. 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 Most definitely. So uh, let's, uh, let's uh, start with you, Mark here. What were just like your initial thoughts when the Super Bowl matchup, when you knew what the Super Bowl matchup was going to be? Well, I Obviously, incredibly excited about it. I mean, I try to hide it, but I, as I admitted in the Q and A, I think I am a Patriots fan, so it's always exciting when your team sort of gets to the Super Bowl, um, whether it's the first time, multiple times. It's just a thrill to see, and I'm incredibly excited because it's just a great matchup. I think we've got two incredible offenses playing at absolutely elite levels right now, particularly Atlanta and what they've been able to do offensively, and you've got two sort of younger athletic defenses that have come into their own down the stretch here. I mean, the New England defense has played really well in that back half of the season. Atlanta's put up some really impressive displays defensively in the playoffs. And so you've got great offenses, some pretty good defenses. You know, you've got one of the best coaches of all time going up against Dan Quinn, who I think is developing into a really good NFL coach. It's just good stuff all around. So I'm incredibly excited to see this game. Yeah, I totally hear what you're saying about Atlanta defense. I think the stat is they've shaved eight points off of their overall given up since their bye week. So, yeah, those those speedy rookies on that defense are finally they're – not, they're not rookies anymore, I guess we'll say. Uh, Nick, what were your – what's some of your initial thoughts there? Well, I think it's great that we're going to see a fantastic offense in, in the Atlanta Falcons offense against uh, the number one scoring defense with New England. These are just two great teams going head-to-head. Both of them convincingly won their conference championship games. Uh, Matt Ryan is now considered a playoff winner. Uh, it's, to me, it's kind of a classic David versus Goliath matchup. You know, I'm not a New England hater, and I definitely won't be upset if New England wins, but I will be hoping that the Falcons win their first Super Bowl because, to me, Bill, Check and Brady are already the top uh, head coach and quarterback of all time, no matter the outcome of this game you know some people root to see greatness but for me we've already been spoiled enough to witness what new england has accomplished over the last 10 15 years so you know just for me it would be good to see a new champion okay well my my kind of initial thoughts is i it's like you know what i when i when i saw the matchup i was like i really think atlanta could win and then the more i thought about it just like like we talked about at the beginning of the show you're giving bill belichick two weeks to prepare, it, that that's just I just it's so hard to get past that fact. Whether you're a professional organization or not, it's just so hard to get over that. I mean, Atlanta's going to have to come with some kind of new offensive wrinkle that New England hasn't seen on film before, because you know 
every time they they line up in a formation, New England's going to have a, probably a general idea of what uh, what they're going to do. You know, if we, well, Malcolm Butler put that out in the air quite quite soon after he made that heroic uh, interception at the end of that uh, Super Bowl versus Seattle. He knew exactly what was coming. And, you know, we, we talk about uh, Julio Jones, too. I think uh, Peter heard pretty, Peter King on the radio yesterday had the best stat about if New England can stop Julio. If New England, basically, if Julio's been stopped or out of the game, basically controlled, you know, to, to under 50 yards, Atlanta this year is 6-0. So, you can, go, you can go ahead and stop Julio. I think the main focus is those two defensive – excuse me, those two running backs. So we'll get to a bit more of that in a second. But, uh, Mark, the the Atlanta – Atlanta might be the fastest defense New England has faced all year. How, how can Tom Brady exploit that? Yeah, that's something I've given a lot of thought to. And I think the best way to kind of attack this defense is to use that speed against them. You know, you look at the Atlanta offense, and I don't want to go off track too much, but they're so successful passing the ball on play-action passing plays. 26% of their passing plays this year were play-action plays. You know, Matt Ryan has gotten a ton of credit, as he should, you know, 9.1 yards per attempt. Well, that number jumps on play-action pace to 10.1 per play action passive ways. It's a great weapon whenever you can use it offensively. And to circle back to the question, you use that defensive speed against them. You run play action. You show them like Garrett Blount early and often in this game. Get those young linebackers, the young uh, strong safety, Keanu Neal, get him flow into the line of scrimmage. And that's when you turn to the play action passing game. You try to get them out of position early. You try to get them off their spot and then throw passes behind them. Look for them to go three-by-one. I expect to see a lot of three-by-one formations from New England. And then you have either Julian Edelman or maybe even Malcolm Mitchell, that backside receiver. You show run to the bunch. You throw that backside band eight, that backside skinny post. That's a thing that New England loves to do in games like this. And so I'd expect to see a lot of that. Run the football, maybe even try to establish the run get those linebackers and Keanu Neal flow into the line of scrimmage, flow into the football, and then go play action behind it with either Mitchell or Julian Edelman. Oh, what are your thoughts are getting, about getting uh, Martellus Bennett up the middle and using, using his 6-7 frame or, or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, that's a good idea. I mean, the question, you know, for Bennett is he's been limited by that lower body injury. He hasn't really been the same player. He hasn't really been a factor in the passing game for New England, certainly in this back half of the season. I mean, he's been okay in some situations, some red zone situations, some short yarded situations, but sort of that middle of the field there, 50 yard line, the 40 to the 40, he's kind of been limited. If he gets healed up a little bit over these two weeks that's definitely something that could be a factor for new england in this game you know and get into that you know that two-week period you know talking about belichick having two weeks to go up against an offense a game plan something you know having that extra week is going to help atlanta i think you know i remember talking to amy trask last summer about you know their super bowl experience and having just one week it was a year that there was just that one week and so much gets thrown at you in terms of ticket requests and media requests and all sorts of stuff. But with that extra week, it's going to help Quinn and, you know, that Atlantic coaching staff as well, I think, come up with some answers for this New England defense. And so, you know, I just wanted to kind of work that in. But, yeah, you know, in terms of Bennett, I think he could be a factor if that lower leg injury has healed up a bit. And he's definitely somebody that I would see them to try to use if he's able to give it a full go on those post routes, those seam routes, you know, up the middle of the field and then work Bennett, I mean, work Mitchell and, you know, to some extent, Edelman and Hogan on the outside. 
Oh, yes. Pride of Monmouth College, Chris Hogan, one of our <laughs> favorites here at the show. Uh, Did you know he played Nick, the cross uh, at Penn State? Oh, really? I did not. Never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, Nick, what, same question there. How, do you, how does Brady exploit that uh, fast defense? Well, I think uh, Mark hit the nail on the head. It's a combination of a good power running game along with misdirection. So if the pa- Patriots can get uh, LeGarrette Blunt rolling downhill early, that'll open up a number of things, plus get them into third and second and third and short. Uh, you know, once the ground game opens things up, that'll force the defense to think and react rather than just attack. So, you know, play action, of course, you know, throw in the threat of a wide receiver end arounds, maybe throw a few wide receiver screen passes to get the corners to cheat up a little bit and then run a fake screen and hit either Malcolm Mitchell or Chris Hogan with a deep ball. Uh, I think above all, though, on the standard passing plays where there is no play action or misdirection, uh, Brady's got to get that ball out early. Don't let Vic Beasley uh, have the chance to rattle him. Yes, very good point. I think um, – I wish I could remember the names of the players, but I I remember a game, just your old run at the mill, you know, week five, 1994 season or something like that. Green Bay at Kansas – or Kansas City at Green Bay. Excuse me. Green Bay at Kansas City. First play of the game, the Chiefs step back and throw like a 50-yard bomb, and that it, it was it was the pass was complete. It wasn't a touchdown, but it was just a 50-yard play. And I felt like watching the rest of that game. And, and I know I'm not a scout or a coach, but the rest of that game, the Green Bay defense that that just just stung them so hard. So maybe if Brady can come out there and just take a deep chance like right away just to keep that defense back on their heels and I know just not that they don't know that they're not capable of it but just be really aggressive uh and we know we know that Belichick and Brady are no uh, no stranger to doing that um and if I if I know one scouting report on how to get to Brady it's rush him up the middle so I and I I realize that Brady probably knows that too so I, I look for a lot of a lot of quick uh, quick things off the edge and maybe trade it. Maybe like kind of Mark said, like kind of use it against them. Maybe kind of a lot of quick passes to the side, and then that's going to open things up down the middle middle of the field and uh, and uh, deep down in those seam routes. So, like I said, I'm not a coach. I didn't say it as eloquently as Mark, but uh, just just my thoughts there. So, um, well, obviously we talked a little bit about Julio earlier, Mark. Uh, he is their number one weapon, but who is the number two weapon? I mean, I think it's the I think it's the two running backs. I mean, Atlanta's done some great stuff this year uh, with 13 personnel. Early in the season, when they had Toyolo, they had Hooper, and they had Tammy healthy. They were doing some great stuff having all three tight ends on the field. But now with Tammy being hurt, they've really done some great stuff with the running backs with Coleman, with Freeman. You know, Coleman coming in sort of being a playmaking guy where you could run outside zone with him. You could split him out and use him as a receiver. Um, Freeman's kind of the more like down-to-down kind of running back. But I think Atlanta's going to want to, again, establish play action on when they have the football because that's when they could really get things rolling. I mean, they, their toughest down and distances here in terms of at least looking at Matt Ryan's uh, QB quarterback rating is third and long. So I think for New England defensively, they need to win on first down. If you let Atlanta get into, you know, second and five, third and one type situations, you're played right into their strength when they can, you know, either run the ball with Freeman or Coleman or show run and get into that play action passing game with Jones, even with Gabriel and Sanu downfield at either Hooper or Toyolo. 
um, in the play-action passing game. So New England's going to need to win on first down. So they're going to really need to, one, try to stop Julio Jones, but as well, they're going to really need to focus on those two running backs and try to slow them down a bit, particularly on first down. Otherwise, you play into what Atlanta does best. It, what what I like, I, I agree with you there too. Um, I and I th- I feel like it's probably Freeman just because he is the the bulk in terms of rushing touches there. But what I like about Atlanta is they kind of they kind of let the game sometimes predict what they're going to do, and it doesn't matter if like if one shut down, the other one seems to go off, or it'll be like you know. Freeman will just be pounding and pounding the team. He's got, you know, 15, 20 carries for a hundred yards right up the middle. And then Coleman will maybe have like three or four catches, but he's got two touchdowns sprinkled in there somewhere. It's just, they just know how to use them both, both very well. So, but I think Freeman, you know, you want, you want to say it, but everybody's been talking about Bill Belichick when he, was the defensive coordinator for the Giants in 87, and he says, you know, if Thurman Thomas gets 100 yards against us, we could win the game because that way we've controlled their their K-gun and their passing offense. Right. But I really think if Freeman can come out there and and eat up the clock and really really get get those tough yards in the middle, I think that could be done. And if And if you do that, I think that sets up Coleman because I think – if there's a vulnerability to the uh, New England defense, it's their their outside backers. Uh, you know, it's Vinoy, McClellan, Ninkovich. You know, they're they're just not as athletic and speedy as as you want going up against a guy like Tevin Coleman, who could who could make that one devastating cut and be gone. So I, I just I yeah. really think that's 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 what they need to do there. Nick Nick, what are your thoughts? Well, it's definitely the two running backs. And even if you throw out their contributions in the run game, if you just uh, look at their uh, numbers in the passing game, they combined for uh, 85 catches. That's more than Julio Jones' 83 catches. Uh, of course, Coleman, 13.6 yards per catch. Freeman, 8.6 yards per catch. Pale in comparison to Julio Jones' 17 yards per catch. But still, I think even in the passing game, they're the number two option. Uh, if, if we were strictly talking wide receivers, Taylor Gabriel had some nice games, caught six touchdowns. But Mohamed Sanu has really come on strong as of late. 653 yards in the regular season no really huge performances 84 yards was a season high no multi-touchdown games but over the last three games he's got 13 catches with a score in each of those three matchups you know I was pretty high on Sanu from from a fantasy perspective going into the season he didn't really put up the numbers that I thought he would but nonetheless he's a very important addition to that Atlanta offense yeah yeah most definitely um what if it's Justin Hardy, guys? Is he, even, is he even suiting up anymore? I don't know. I'm sorry. I just own too many Dynasty shares of Justin Hardy. I like to sell him whenever possible. But what if what if he's the number two weapon in this game? But I, like I said, I don't even know if he's suiting up. And, Nick, I had to check. Kevin Coleman, 13.6 yards per reception. That's pretty staggering for a running back when you consider even David Johnson, who is the best receiving running back, only had 11. Uh I I just I had to look that up because I was writing up about Spencer Ware yesterday and he had 13.5. So he, I think that was probably the most for any running back out there. Uh, with um, he had 31 receptions. That's that's a pretty pretty staggering number and something I'm sure New England's taking a a deep uh, deep dark look at there. Uh, let's look at the uh, New England offense here, Mark. Uh, Julian Edelman or Legarrette Blunt? Who 
who needs to be more effective in this game for the Patriots to win? I mean, that's kind of a tough question in the sense that when you look at them doing the passing game, at least down the stretch and here through the playoffs, so much of it has really run through Julian Edelman. And no matter what we can say about sort of establishing the run, and I've mentioned that and I've talked about the play-action passing game, New England likes to throw the football. I mean, that's what they do. I mean, they come at you and they throw the football, whether it's the weather conditions. You might think, oh, they're going to just come out and try to pound it based on the defensive personnel they're facing. They, they're a throwing team. And so I think that so much of their passing game goes through Edelman that, you know, it's hard to look away from him being their number one weapon. But I'm still going to try and say that, look, the weakness of this Atlanta defense is their defensive front. They're fast in the secondary. They're athletic at the linebacker spot. So I think they still need to at least try and establish the run, and they're going to need Blount to be more effective if they're going to be able to do that. I think this is a game that's sort of tailor-made for LeGarrette Blount to at least he – he's probably not going to give you 100 yards on the ground, but if they can get you know, 65, 75 yards from him, that's going to be incredibly effective and allow them to do the things that I think they need to do, run some play action, work some different guys in the passing game. And so I think – you know, as much as they like to run the passing game through Julian Edelman, I think Blout needs to be more effective for them to come away on top in this game. Yeah, and and I think going along with your, your thoughts there, Seattle had it right when they went to Atlanta. They came out and ate up like three-fourths of that first quarter clock and got that touchdown. But, you know, they couldn't stop <laughs> defensively. But that's what you need to do, keep that offense off the field. That's, that can frustrate them more than – more than a turnover, just not letting them get on the field. That, that's, that's, that's a very good point there. Nick, what are your thoughts? Well, Edelman uh, has been the number one option in the passing game, of course, and if the passing game isn't clicking, New England likely loses. But uh, I think if Atlanta commits to shutting Julian Edelman down, Tom Brady is the master of spreading the ball around. He'll simply look to Chris Hogan, Martellus Bennett, Danny Amendola, Malcolm Mitchell. I mean, heck, given the Patriots' reputation for being unpredictable, maybe I should place a little bet on former Cardinals receiver Michael Floyd for Super Bowl MVP if he's activated. Uh, But switching back to uh, Blunt in the run game, I, I do believe New England will want to limit Atlanta's time of possession, and the way to do that is with a strong running game. So, you know, Blunt over 1,100 yards. No other uh, in the regular season. No other run, New England running back even had 300 yards rushing. So, I have to go with Garrett Blunt simply because there are so many other options for Brady to throw to, including the pass-catching running backs Deion Lewis and James White. But they really only have the one solid traditional running back. Oh, yeah, so many weapons, and and I'm agree with you guys. I think. Like like I said, just in in the segue there, they need to control the clock, keep Matty Ice off the field. I mean, and, and maybe Edelman's more effective. I guess I guess Mark, a little bit about me. I'm I'm a fantasy writer. That's so I'm always coming at it. Right. Who's going to have the most fantasy stats? You know, so uh, right. Uh, and that's where that's where our Q and A is about this week. So, but uh, I think ultimately. Edelman could be more have more effective stats, but you know nobody's going to care if Blunt has 30 carries for 58 yards as long as they're as long as they're eating up chunks of time every time they have the ball. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I I still think Edelman's probably going to go for you know 14, 15 targets, probably going to catch eight or nine of them, probably going to get over 100 yards, but. You know, if Blount has, say, 25 carries for 62 yards, it's not a great day statistically, but he's going to do what Belichick and Josh McDaniels want, which is 
move the chains a little bit, keep the run play and options so the defense can't just pin their ears back and think it's going to be a pass on every down, you know, take some time off the clock, keep the ball in New England's hands and keep that Atlanta offense sitting down and watching and turn them into spectators. That's all they're going to really want from Blount. And if he does that, that's extremely effective and a way for New England to win this game. Yeah, yeah. We saw Seattle be very successful with that same theory, just beast mode, beast mode. Yep. Uh, except, except, of course, in the Super Bowl against New England when there's right. clocks waiting in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so last year we saw a defensive player win uh, MVP, and the Raiders fan in me doesn't want to remember who that is. But uh, can, we, can you predict uh, a defender maybe, Mark, or at least a non-quarterback to capture the MVP honors? I mean, I think there are two defenders in this game that are going to play pivotal roles and could potentially win Super Bowl MVP. I mean, when you look at New England and you look at the matchup of Julio Jones, if they're going to leave Malcolm Butler on an island with him and if he has a good day, maybe not shutting him down completely, but at least limited what he can do and maybe steal an interception, there's a guy that, depending on how the rest of the game turns out, could possibly win it for New England. And when I look at Atlanta, we talk about trying to stop Tom Brady. And the main way to do that is, yeah, you can get you know, ferocious pressure off the edges, but that's going to need to be sustained and from both sides like Denver did in the AFC Championship game last year. I don't know if Atlanta can do that, but Grady Jarrett, their defensive tackle up the middle, if he can get sort of sustained A-gap pressure, that really frustrates Tom Brady. Brady can deal with edge pressure, you know, provided it's not continuously coming off the edges because he can step up in the pocket pretty well. He's good at climbing the pocket, but A-gap pressure frustrates every quarterback. It really frustrates Tom Brady because he wants to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible, but he can't do that if he's got pressure on his face, and Grady Jarrett might be the guy to try to supply that. And if he does it all game long and frustrates Brady to no end, Grady Jarrett could be a big name in this game. Yep, and you stole my answer. Uh, That's fine. Great mind. (laughs) Sorry, man. There you Uh, go. And what Grady, what makes Grady Jarrett so effective? And it's, and he's not Aaron Donald, but he's, I think Donald's six one. Grady Jarrett's only six foot, but he's got that three hundred pound frame. So when he gets leverage underneath those six, you know, six four, six five offensive linemen, that and that he and he penetrates it. He controls the play when he does that. So yeah, I, I like that call. That smaller, smaller defensive tackle, shorter defensive tackle, I should say. Nick, what are your thoughts? Well, I think if Atlanta wins, they're going to need to get some big defensive stops. But if New England wins, I suspect Tom Brady is likely the MVP. So I'm going to go with probably the most prolific defender on either team, Vic Beasley, number 44 for Atlanta, uh, 15 and a half sacks on the year and six forced fumbles. Uh, he has been quiet in the postseason. He's got no sacks, but he's been playing more mobile quarterbacks, guys like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson in the playoffs. Uh, but he fared a lot better against more stationary targets in the regular season as he did in games against uh, Denver. Paxton Lynch, San Diego's Philip Rivers, Philadelphia's Carson Wentz, and uh, Los Angeles Rams' Jared Goff. He had ten and a half sacks in those four games alone. So, you know, I imagine if the defensive MVP is going to be a prop bet, he's probably the favorite. So, I would likely dissuade me if I were in Vegas from betting on him. But if it's simply straight up, I can't choose any other defender. But you guys are definitely right about uh, Grady Jarrett. If he has a good game, that'll definitely help Vic Beasley's production as well. 
And we're and we're not just pulling the Grady Jarrett name out of a hat. He had a really good year for Atlanta, and even even IDP wise, like I have him on a couple rosters. He's he's a quality. I think it's his uh, second year player there out of Clemson. Um, I do feel like what you're saying there, Nick. You know, if if Atlanta wins and a defensive player wins MVP, you almost feel like it would have to be Vic Beasley, um, unless you know, unless. Keon O'Neal has a pair of interceptions or something like that. But, yeah, you would need to think that there's a, a couple sacks or a big strip sack for a touchdown like we saw with uh, with Vaughn Miller and uh, uh, Jackson last year. But uh, Malik Jackson, excuse me. Um, I As much as I, I respect Malcolm Butler, I just feel like Logan Ryan doesn't get enough fanfare. He's the other cornerback, the other starting cornerback in, in New England, and and maybe he gets maybe he has better statistics because he's always facing the the second wide receiver. But this guy is a ball hawk. He's got over forty passes defense, I think, in his career. He has a whole bunch of interceptions. Had five as a rookie. He just knows how to get himself in position. And when you're a team like Atlanta that likes to put the ball up as many times as they do, you're he's going to figure something out. He's going to figure out, and he probably already is figuring out, you know, just watching film. He's going to figure out how to jump around. And I feel like he could have one of those, one of those Larry Brown type of, uh, type of Super Bowls where he makes, makes a huge, huge play. Um, any, anybody else have a, have a non, is anybody else out there, Mark? Any any other thoughts? And just non non quarterback, maybe a receiver or a running back that you think could do it? Yeah, I mean, you could probably make a case for Julio Jones if he goes off, which it could happen. Um, yeah, you know, and you know, kind of looking at the rest of these teams and how they're constructed. I mean, I guess you could probably even say, look, if Edelman just has a huge game, you know, or if Legarrette Blount for some strange reason, you know, we're saying we'll hope hopefully he gets like sixty or seventy yards on the ground. If he has a big game against that defensive front, I mean, maybe it's one of them. But, you know, I mean, I, I think you guys are right in that, you know, generally speaking, these things go to quarterbacks, and then it'll probably be, you know, Brady yeah. or Ryan. You know, so. That's just the yeah. way it goes. Yeah, nice yeah. Well, and I'm trying to think, who had, who had the greatest single fantasy game against New England this year? And it, it's probably pretty hard to pinpoint. It probably wouldn't be that impressive because – not only does Belichick know how to prepare, he can he can prepare in game and adjust too. So that's yeah. obviously that's why he's in the Super Bowl. That's what makes him uh, makes him so brilliant. So uh, Nick, any other thoughts there? Well, just that uh, pretty much if you're trying to pick a defensive uh, MVP, it's going to be throwing darts at the dartboard because it's very hard to predict who's going to you know force the fumble or pick up the fumble and run it in for a touchdown. So, yeah, it really could be anybody, but I, I still have to stick with Vic Beasley. Okay. Um, we are going to patch Chuck through. Chuck wanted to – maybe no, maybe he didn't want you. Maybe I said he had you, but uh, our man in Vegas – Chuck Podeski is going to come through as we're going to do a little Super Bowl trivia. Um, one of my favorite things. Chuck, Chuck, are you there? Here I am. Yeah, sure. Uh, trivia. That's my favorite. Yeah, we know we know you're good at it, so. <laughs> okay, we're we're um. Why don't since there's three of you answering here, uh, why don't you just say, I. I, I got it, or I think I know when, if, if you know the answer. So uh, these are all Super Bowl trivia questions, obviously. Um, so this has happened twice in Super Bowl history. Uh, when Atlanta faced Denver in 98, 
and won just a few years ago when Seattle faced Denver as well. They tied for the record lowest number of what? I'll take a stab, Chuck. Okay. Timeouts. No. Okay. Was it first downs? No. Nope. <laughs> oh, that would make a lot of sense when you think about that Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. Nick, Nick, any thoughts uh, there? Turno- tur- turnovers, maybe? No. It only happened one time in each of these two Super Bowls, Atlanta at Denver and Seattle at Denver, or Seattle versus Denver. It only happened one time in both these Super Bowls. Uh, Gatorade drenchings. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I I feel like, I I don't know, I kind of went back and forth whether I should put this question in there or not because I feel like I'm kind of a jerk now that nobody nobody got close. But it's number (laughs) of punts. Oh, number man. of punts. They don't, there's only one punt in each of those Super Bowls. I thought that was crazy. I mean, uh, but yeah. uh, it, <laughs> so, but that's straight off the NFL records from uh, Super Bowl. So that's crazy. And I promise there's no more punting questions. Uh, but uh, so the second question: Three players have scored three touchdowns in a single Super Bowl game. Who are they? Excuse me. Four players have scored three touchdowns in a single Super Bowl game. So four different players have scored three touchdowns in one Super Bowl. Any okay. Thoughts? Jerry Rice had to have done it, right? Oh, yeah. What yeah. about Rigo? Your, your hint is no, not Rigo. Nope. Jerry Rice is one of them, and your hint is the two of the other three are 49ers as well. Roger Craig? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's number. That's one of them. I only know him because he's from Nebraska. Uh, so there, so one of the, the of the next two, one of them is a uh, one of them is a Forty Nine er, and one of them is a Forty Nine. Yep. So they're both Forty Nine. I can't. No, no, one's a Forty Nine er, and one is okay. <laughs> I can't give you what that team. Emmett Smith. No, no. Who? I can't Another tell you forty nine running backs. Both running backs. Ricky Waters? Yes. Wow. That that was the tough one I thought. Uh, oh man. Yes. Ricky Waters with two T's. But the other one can come from any from any team. <laughs> That's the tough any part team. about it. Let's see. A running back from any team. Which uh, which division? Uh, AFC West. Terrell Davis. Yeah, see, <laughs> I knew that would be a dead giveaway. Especially that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Terrell Davis. Yeah, very good. Darn Forty Niners. Um, speaking of Forty Niners, uh, this man has the most career Super Bowl sacks with four and a half. I already gave you a way too good of a hint. LT? Nope. Most 
most on the career, four and a half sacks. So think about guys that have played in multiple Super Bowls. Charles Haley? Yes, yeah, Charles Haley. Nice one. Okay. Okay, last one. And this one just really came to mind. Oh, by the way, did you guys know that there's never been a punt return in in Super Bowl history for a touchdown? Uh, I just thought that was – I didn't know how to ask that as a question because I thought it would be too obvious, but never been a punt return for a Super Bowl. So. And well, I'm looking to see if Jordan there's Miller. a – I'm looking to see if there's a prop on that, Josh. Oh, there probably is. Uh, probably a big one. Uh, and Jordan Norwood had the longest punt return in Super Bowl history last year with 61 yards. Um, so, like I said, there would be no more punter questions, but there is a kicker question. Uh, Steve Christie kicked the longest field goal in Super Bowl history when Buffalo faced Dallas. How long was it? Why is the uh, why is the number sixty one in my head? Oh, <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, I think you just said there was a 61-yard punt return. Okay, that was why it was in my head. Okay. 54. What did you say, Mark? 54. Yes, 54. And there's actually only been three or four 50-yard field goals in Super Bowl history. I kind of found that uh, interesting. And, and Adam Vinatieri, of course, has the second longest, was 51. But uh, uh, that is all I had for you. No more punter or kicker questions. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for humoring me. As much as I think I'm probably a pretty good trivia guy myself, I, I love writing the questions. Any trivia questions for me? Mark, I know you got to have something, something, in the, something in your brain that you always – Oh, I, I don't off the top of my head. Okay. No, no, I don't. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, his website is Inside the Pylon. Check it out. Um, one thing I love about your website, Mark, is I ha- and I have it tabbed on my phone, is the uh, the NFL. There, the, excuse me, the football glossary. You know, if you're yeah. if you're a a fan like me, and you didn't play football in high school or college or whatever, sometimes you hear these terms on TV, and you don't know what the hell they're talking about. You know. What does he mean by a gap, or what? What's the zero gap? You know, go to the, inside the pile and just click the football glossary. It's all explained there. I actually think I have it printed out in my in my uh, scouting notebook too. So yeah, I, I love having oh, nice. that at my disposal. It's a uh, it's it's a nice tool, and and I, and I really appreciate what you guys do over there. I, I like like your podcast and just all the angles you guys take from it. It's a good website, so we appreciate you. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Yes, you too. All right, that was Mark Schofield inside the pylon. Um, sorry about the punter question, guys. But you know, you know me. I love my good punters. Well, Josh, here's a Josh. here's something that goes along. Here's something that goes along with this total punts in the game. Both teams combined over or under seven and a half. How about that? Wow. That and the over is. The ender is the favorite on that, minus 155. Most punt. Brad Maynard, 
punted 11 times in the Giants Baltimore Super Bowl. That was that's crazy to think just by himself 11 times. Wow. Yeah, just by himself. Yeah. And uh, that same Super Bowl, the opposing punter punted 10 times. So there was 21 punts in that Super Bowl. <laughs> well, wasn't that Super Bowl Kerry Collins versus uh versus Trent Dilfer? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so that, that that would account for all the punting. Hey, hey, Kerry Collins is a top 10 all-time passing yards guy. <laughs> it's just because he wouldn't go away. But uh, <laughs> uh, but enough. We'll start a punting podcast this summer. But uh, Chuck, Chuck just dropped a big old a big old load of notes in my in my lap last night. So he he's he's gonna run the show from here on out. Oh my goodness! What do you got for um, oh, oh, I've got I've got uh, 18 pages of propositions in front of me, and I'm still trying to find. Will it seems like that would be a great prop bet? Will there be a, a, a punt return for a touchdown? But I haven't found it. It may be in there, but I've, I've been looking all over it, and I, I cannot find anything. We've got some interesting props here. They're called cross props. In other words, props. Well, I'll give you an example. Which will be higher? Leicester City Man U total corner kicks versus Steven Gonkowski and Matt Bryant kicks made. <laughs> uh, Boston Celtics points uh, scored versus the Patriots total rushing yards. Interested in that. Uh, the Celtics are plus <laughs> nine and a half on that one. Uh, Atlanta Hawks scored versus Julio Jones receiving yards. Um Wow, and you know, and some local ones here. Uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights total goals scored against Matt Ryan total touchdown passes. I guess that's the Knights' first regular season game. So Matt Ryan total touchdown passes against the Las Vegas Golden Knights goals scored in their first game. And there are some other ones too, but I won't bore everybody. Those those are. Uh, it's just such an interesting time in Las Vegas right now. Uh, I for. I forwarded you guys four prop bets um, last night that were actually, no, I had more than four, didn't I? We had about six of them, right? Yeah. Six prop yeah. bets. And, uh, and of course, we're going to pick the, uh, the, uh, the winner and the, and the over-under on the Super Bowl and give everybody a chance. To... <laughs> oh, actually, we have uh, seven prop bets we're going to look at. Okay. Nonetheless, um, I, before we get into it, I found something interesting for those of you who bet prop bets, uh, and it was in the Las Vegas Review Journal this morning. If you guys want a little hint on what to do in your props, it was an article written by a local handicapper. He has a radio show here. His name is Brian Blessing. I don't know if you've ever heard his name, but he, he analyzes what to do with prop bets this year, and they gave him a mythical $500 to bet on prop bets. And uh, the first one is, is or the first three, maybe the first two, have to do with, uh, he goes back in history to Super Bowls. Um, Bill Belichick, you remember, was the uh, defensive coordinator when the, uh, the Giants played the Bills. Now, in the first half of that, of that game, they totally befuddled Jim Kelly. Couldn't throw the long, couldn't, couldn't get the ball downfield. And that's what Belichick did is he took the long pass away from him. He finally, they finally decided at halftime that they've got to start throwing and, and running the ball, uh, throwing to the backs and running the ball more. So in the second half, Thurman Thomas produced 91 yards on seven carries. 
He had a total of 190 yards from scrimmage for the game. Um, they, if Belichick does the same thing, if he holds true to form, another one was the uh, the greatest show on turf. Remember when Belichick frustrated the uh, the uh, uh, Rams, Rams in the Super Bowl. Yeah. The one player who racked up yards was running back Marshall Falk, who who rushed for 76 yards and caught 54 yards worth of passes. So the bottom line is, in this Super Bowl, if you want a little hint on the uh, <clears throat> on the proposition bets, slant them toward the Atlanta running backs. Uh, this guy wanted to put a hundred mythical dollars on Devontae Freeman total rushing yards, and then a hundred dollars on Tevin Coleman total receiving yards. So. When you do prop bets, you have to kind of have an idea in your head of how you think the games are going to go and then tailor those prop bets to how it's going to go. Now, if it doesn't go your way, then, you know, then you're screwed. But um, but you got to have a, an idea of how the games are going to go, and then the prop bets come a little easier for you. Uh-huh. He also liked Austin Hooper to have uh, more than uh, over 11 and a half receiving yards. Which yeah, I like sense. that too because that's that's somebody New England's certainly not a top priority on New England's list to stop. Definitely right, and you know Belichick's going to take. I mean, is that any secret that Belichick's going to take Julio Jones away? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Okay, you guys ready? Did you did you have the prop bet on what color color Lady Gaga's hair is going to be for Super Bowl halftime? No, on what color I'm on what? <laughs> that was the what? first the first prop bet email I got. Some somebody named Scott Cooley all of a sudden started emailing me prop bets, and the first one I got was, "What color is Lady Gaga's hair going to be during <laughs> during Super Bowl halftime?" Uh, oh my goodness! Uh, we'll see. Uh, Vegas how many do times pro- Aaron Ve- Rodgers? Ve- Go ahead. No, I just want to I'm tell you, many- you know, for people, if there's any confusion, those prop bets will come from offshore. Uh, betting agencies, <laughs> simply because in the NFL they won't do a prop on anything that doesn't have an official result. So there's no official result. I mean, she com- could come out in a color of hair that's kind of red, kind of blue, or something like that. And there's yeah. and there's no official stat from the <laughs> NFL that will come to say what what color was Lady Gaga's hair. And also, there's a chance of people having inside information on that. I mean, her, you know, you could get her hairdresser. She could tip somebody off, and you're going to lose a lot of money. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. it's really you know for the security of the sports bets. But they're fun to think about. They they really are a lot of fun. I'm going to say more green. Of an apricot or peach? Yeah. <laughs> what if were, were there any choices Everybody on the wins. color of hair? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We've talked about it too long. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, it was pre- it was pretty typical, you know, red, yellow, black. I don't know. You know, it wasn't until uh, it wasn't until a little while ago that they started taking bets on the MVP simply because there could be inside information. It could influence some bets. Or some, you know, some votes on the uh, on the part of the uh, of the voters, um, but they but they do do it now. They they have the the bet on the board, and I'm embarrassed because okay. in these 18 pages now I'm trying to desperately to find it. Who will be the MVP? I'm sure Brady is the favorite. Yeah. Can you hear me turning my pages here? Uh-huh. Okay, here it is. Brady is four to five. 
Matt Ryan eight to five. Julio Jones is eight to one. The one I kind of like, uh, since New England is going to take you know the the big guys away, is maybe somebody like uh, like Tevin Coleman or uh, maybe mm-hmm. Sanu. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, you ready to get into the uh, the meat of the thing? Let's do it. Okay. Oh, we got to talk about last week, although I don't think we really want to talk about last week. Let's see. I was now. What was that last bet we did, Josh? I just put down MB. I'm assuming it was Matt Bryant versus Aaron Rodgers passing yards. Uh, I I pred- I asked who was going to throw for the most passing yards on the weekend. Which quarterback? It was Matt. Oh, on the entire weekend. I, okay. Yeah, I think we picked. I think we both picked Matt Ryan. I can't remember. Nick, who did you pick? Brady? Uh, he took Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers. He took oh. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, who were the quarterbacks? Matt Bryant or Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, who were the other? Was, oh, Tom. oh, okay, yeah, neither of us took that game. Yeah, we we both took Matt Ryan. So we got, I think, Matt Ryan out past Rodgers, didn't he? Uh, I I remember saying he was going to throw for 400 yards, or he could throw for 400 yards, and he threw for like 392. So I won because I didn't overbid. I waited in over Okay, so anyway, uh, so I was two out of five. You were actually, Josh, you were three out of five. That wasn't bad. And, uh, Nick, you kind of got blanked after beating us the last couple of weeks. Let's see, you had the Packers. You had under, like all of us did. Uh, you had, we all had Pittsburgh, and Josh, you were the only one that said over fifty-one on that uh, AFC Championship game. So, Matt, uh, uh, Josh, you get the, uh, the the trophy for the week. All right. All right. Here we go. Should we do the prop bets first, then do the Super Bowl at the end? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's start out with our prop bets. Our first uh, prop bet was going to be the first score of the game would be New England or Atlanta. I feel like I want to – I suppose you can't make this bet after the opening kickoff, right? Uh, (laughs) um, I think it really depends on who gets the ball first because you want to – you think whoever gets the ball first is going to want to get at least a a field goal. But – well, I guess it's fifty-fifty shots. I'll take Atlanta. Let's go okay. Falcons. Dirt, <laughs> Dirty Bird, Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. Simply, New England's got the number one scoring defense in the NFL. So the offense that's facing the number one defense, I have to go with the opposing team's offense. So I, I got to go with New England. Okay. Well, I actually have a strategy here, Josh, uh, and you kind of hit on it, the team that's going to get the ball first. Even though he didn't do it the last game, Bill Belichick always likes to get the ball in the second half. So if he wins the toss, he's going to kick off. Now, he didn't do that last week. That kind of worries me, but I'm going to go with the trend, what he normally does. So I'm going to say Belichick is going to want to kick off and get the ball in the second half. So I'm going to say the Falcons are going to get the ball in the first half. And uh, so I'll take the Falcons and kind of go with the odds there. I'm surprised that that isn't a little bit on the uh, Atlanta side uh, team to score first. The Patriots are actually the favorites there at minus a buck thirty-five. So that might be a good prop bet to take, wouldn't you think? 
Falcons plus a buck yeah, five there. Yeah, it isn't that just like anything with the Patriots. They just get a little bit more public love because they're they're so dominant. Right. Yeah, you got it. Huh. Okay. Um. So Josh, you and I take Atlanta. And Nick takes New England, and I don't think either one's a bad bet there. Okay, the first turnover of the game, will it be an interception or will it be a fumble? Um, this is going to go against what I said for the first one. But uh, <laughs> I think I think it would be a fumble. I think Atlanta, I think Atlanta might, might fumble the football. I just – the big game, you know, there a lot of these – no, I don't know if anybody on their roster has ever been this deep into the playoffs. Uh, that 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 could uh, you know cause for some jitters. You know, obviously packed house. You know, tens of millions of people watching worldwide. That's fumble. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. It's got to be a fumble. Uh, you know, I mean, Tom Brady never seems to screw screw up, uh, especially in the playoffs and deep into the Super Bowl. Uh, realm. It just seems like Tom Brady's golden, whatever he does. And over the last six games, Matt Ryan's thrown 18 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So, you know, with that being the history, yeah, I'm I'm guessing a fumble probably will be more likely. You know, I'm going to go with you guys on this, even though the interception is a little bit of a favorite on this prop. And you would think, and, and I think it's the favorite because both teams throw the ball so much. But I don't see either team having that good a defense that they're going to, you know, have an interception and both the quarterbacks are very efficient. But if, if you take fumble, it's plus a buck 40 on this bet. So, um, you know, Hey, we're making money already. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a prop bet that burned me the last game. And I think it was, uh, I think it was the, the last game. I, I took the, uh, the longest touchdown over or under 50 and a half yards and I had that thing going until he threw it to Julio Jones, and like four Packers couldn't couldn't tackle him, and he took it to the house, um, and I <laughs> lost on that one. But uh, over or under the longest touchdown, fifty point five yards. Is it always set at that number? No. You think no? Hmm. Wow. The thing about the thing about betting on this, you know, if you if you bet the under fifty and a half, then you are just rooting for the team with the ball to get to the fifty yard line, and then you can relax. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to remember, uh, this includes any kind of touchdown, so it could be a kickoff return or a punt return, which you said you said, Josh, there never has been one. So, um, so so that comes into play too. The longest, okay, yeah, I I think I would go a plus fifty and a half. I'll go, I'll go over there, um, like you said with Julio, we saw that seventy-seven yarder against Atlanta. Um, kind of going with what Mark talked about earlier, if they could, you know, really set up Atlanta and get them flowing towards the line of scrimmage that can sting them deep, and that's that could be fifty yards. So I'll go, I'll go over. Why not, Nick? What do you think? Well, first off, when you asked if uh, every game the over-under is set at 50 and a half yards, what popped into my head was like a Cleveland Browns-Rams uh, game where it would be set at maybe 12 yards. But uh, for this matchup, for this matchup, I just think there's too many big play guys, uh, Chris Hogan, Julio Jones, just two names. Uh, I, I have to go over. I mean, Tevin Coleman could bust a 55-yard touchdown run. Uh, I, I think that's an easy, easy guess for an over. 
Okay. Well, just because I uh, I got burned on it last, and I don't think it's going to happen again, I'm going to go under 50 and a half yards in the longest touchdown here. Uh, just because I yeah, like I'm sure to somebody would, I'm sure somebody would break off like a 60-yarder and then get pushed out at the one, and then they'll review it, and I'll just be like, oh, <laughs> nope. Oh, yeah, that's what makes it exciting. <laughs> mm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have it I, any other way. <laughs> yeah. You know, just in terms of, like, Providence, and I know I've told the story on the podcast. Maybe you haven't heard it before, Chuck, but um, – and I know you have a similar kind of bad beat story, but, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, Al, before we started the playoffs, Alan Sadley wrote an article about fantasy playoff uh, contests where you just all just pick a player, kind of like you – kind of like a regular fantasy team, you know, in season, whatever. You pick a handful of players and you pick a defense and – Whoever you get for the playoffs, that's just your team, you know. So if you, you want to pick teams and players that are, you think are going to go far in the playoffs, and when when Atlanta, excuse me, when Oakland played Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, Atlanta, excuse me, I keep saying Atlanta. When Oakland played Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, Allen was winning his contest, and he said going into that game, the only way he could lose is if the Tampa Bay defense scored three touchdowns and guess what they did <laughs> uh wow and another another uh yeah they scored at the end of the third quarter and they scored two fourth quarter touchdowns so the, to make it even worse another kind of on the flip of that is when baltimore played san francisco in the super bowl remember when the lights went out mm-hmm. um i had i just had 10 bucks on whether there was going to be a safety in the Super Bowl. And I think, I can't remember the exact situation, but basically Baltimore was taking a, making the choice between they're either going to punt and give San Francisco like 30 seconds to score a touchdown, or their punter could just sit in the end zone and take the safety, and then they, they kick and get it, get it further back. So that, basically there was, I remember texting my friend, there's like, there's no way that they don't just take a safety here. They're not going to, they're not going to take a chance and give them a chance to return return a punt when they could, you know, run around in the end zone and take the safety and guarantee you're going to push them back. So that was my good story after the bad story. But anyway. <laughs> um, I had a similar one to that. Um, well, not similar to it, but uh, but but my favorite one was I had I had money on on uh, either team landing on 22 points exactly. And I can't remember yes. what game it was, but they <clears throat> they scored was a touchdown to make it Giants Patriots Super Bowl. I think it was, yeah. And they and they yeah. ended up they scored a touchdown that made them twenty one, and then they lined up to go for a two point conversion. I think I told you guys about that one last year. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow! Oh man, that was so disappointing because it was it was like it was like a hundred to one or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I was looking up to see if there there's a there's a prop that says will there be a two point conversion? Ooh. And I is this yeah, will a two point conversion be attempted in the game? Now the yes on that is plus one seventy five. And that one looks so easy, I imagine it's a sucker bet, but you know, with the with the extra point being moved back to the fifteen yard was it back to the fifteen yard line? Yeah, um, you would think that it would be a much bigger chance of uh, having somebody attempt a two-point conversion in this game. Uh, yeah, and didn't 
did Gaskowski miss an extra point in the last game, or was that just? Um, I just, think he uh, did. Boswell. I know Boswell missed one. I care. I think Gaskowski missed one too, though. Yeah. Oh, I had the. Oh, I, I had a prop last game that will there be a missed extra point. So I was very happy when I. I, I think it was Boswell. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when he missed that. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on to the next one. Uh, the next one is will Julian Edelman score a touchdown? Yes or no? Simple one. Well, you look at the history and just Julian Edelman as a player, he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. But for some reason, when when the moment is, is like it is, obviously the Super Bowl is quite the big game, he seems to always find a way to, to make a play and make a big impact play. I know he scored a touchdown in their last Super Bowl. Um, I'm not sure what his overall Super Bowl touchdowns is, but uh, they they just use him too much. I mean, like like Mark said earlier, he expects 12 to 14 targets out of Edelman. You you got to think that's going to be – there's going to be one down down close to get him a chance. So I'll, I'll say yes. Nick, what do you think? I agree with you. I definitely think he catches a touchdown pass. But remember, he was a former college quarterback. So I got to ask, Chuck, do you have any idea if this bet uh, counts it if he ends up throwing a touchdown pass on a trick play? It's weird that you mentioned that, uh, Nick, because last year I was wondering about the same thing. And I had to look at the exact uh, – and, and I'm going to look up the exact language of it, okay, and I'll uh, I'll let you know if there's any. Okay. Julian Edelman, Patriots, score at least one touchdown. I don't think they counted as scoring a touchdown uh, because there's a there's a prop that says, will Tom Brady be the uh, – oh, as far as Tom Brady being the first to score for the Patriots, and it's like 18-1. to 1. And so I would think that, that if passing touchdown – if passing counted, that he wouldn't be that high. So I'm going to say it's just uh, catching or running a touchdown. Or, you know, he does punt returns too, but he has to actually score the touchdown. Okay. What if he scores a two-point conversion? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> will he score two or more touchdowns? Is plus five fifty. So you think he's going to? If you think he's going to get a couple, that's pretty good money there. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Also, I was uh, I was leaning toward no, just simply because I had him on my fantasy team this year and kept getting frustrated that he <laughs> that he, he 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 made a lot of yards but never scored a lot of touchdowns. But um, on the other hand, you got to go with the odds, and I think he's going to touch the ball a lot. Uh, and just hope he breaks free on one. Um, so I'm going to, I think the odds are that he will. So I'm going to go with you guys on that one and say, yes. And we swept another one. Okay. The next one I figured I have to do an Atlanta Falcon also. So will Devonte Freeman score a touchdown? Yes or no? Oh, gosh, I feel like he's the breadwinner and it seems to, too easy to say yes, but I, I I think he will. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna more than likely lead that backfield in touches. We know Coleman has a role, but uh, I just I think he can. So yeah, I'll say yes. Nick, yeah, uh, I agree. You know, maybe it is too too good to be true, but uh, I mean, he scored nine touchdowns over the last eight games, so I, I believe this is probably one of the safer prop bets this year. Yeah, on the odds, it is a slight favorite on the yes. The no is plus a buck ten. Yes is minus a buck forty. 
Um, I just think he's the guy they go to down the goal line. So if the Falcons should happen to get a pass interference on the end zone and down to the one-yard line, um, then you're talking Devontae Freeman almost certainly. And uh, interesting uh, prop here, although we aren't going to do this one, but uh, there was a prop that said what will be the longest touchdown over uh, one and a half yards, over under one and a half yards. So if you're talking, you know, if any team gets a, it gets a uh, pass interference penalty in the end zone, then they're going to put it at the one-yard line. And uh, who knows? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say yes also on Devontae Freeman. Did I say that? Okay. Well, so we all agreed on that one. That's a clean sweep. Yes, Devontae Freeman will score a touchdown. Uh, now the quarterbacks. Tom Brady, number of touchdown passes. Or actually, number of touchdowns. Over, under, two and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. You know wow. what? i got to, I got to amend that. Total touchdown passes. This is not touchdowns. It's touchdown passes. Yeah, total touchdown passes for Tom Brady. Oh, two and a half seems like a perfect number. That's why there's a half point there. Um, I'm going to say under. I think that doesn't play into their game plan and how they how they what they need to do to win this game. I think they're going to be more ball control. So, I think. They're, even if they're on the 15, 20-yard line, they're, they're much more inclined to give it to LeGarrette and pull out the middle and, and eat some more clock. So I'll, I'm going to say no. I'll say, I'll say he throws two, not two and a half. <laughs> so, so I'll say under. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go over. I, I just can't bet against Tom Brady, especially in a Super Bowl uh, when he's not playing against the Giants, of course. Uh, yeah, I just... <laughs> It just seems like during the Super Bowl, when the lights are the brightest, the biggest stars tend to shine even more brightly, and I just feel like Tom Brady's one of those type of guys, so I'm I'm going to go over. You know, Atlanta has a better defense than a lot of people think. Um, Dan Quinn used to be the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Interesting story this morning. They said, would, would does he ever think about that last play when the Seahawks – you know, through an interception to Malcolm to to Butler. Was it Malcolm Butler? Anyway, the yep. the uh, New England uh, defensive back. And he says, no. He says, I think about the series before that when we let New England score. So he's he's really a defensive minded coach. Um, so uh, what I don't know what that means. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say under just because I I think the Falcons defense is going to have to show him something this game so and he'll have a little a little bit in store for Brady so let's say under two and a half there all right and the final one is Matt Ryan will he throw an interception now how long is it you you were talking about this Josh how long has it been since he's thrown an interception hasn't it been uh Nick Nick brought that up. What was that? Uh, zero Nick interceptions over his last six games. Six games he has had right. zero interceptions. And the real surprising thing is this is, a, this is an even money bet uh, over under. It's uh, it's minus – oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes for an interception is minus 140. So, yes, 
is the uh, is the favorite in this one, and no is plus a buck ten. Yeah, I, I gotta believe he does. I, like like we've talked about all show, Belichick knows how to prepare. He's somebody's gonna jump in front of one of their routes. Somebody's gonna jump around and make a play for New England. I just I gotta believe that is that's that they will do that. So I'm sorry, Atlanta. I, I think I'll probably pick you to win. If I get if I get the the cojones later, but you're gonna fumble once and you're gonna throw an interception too, uh, according to all my prop bets here. So I say yes, he will throw an interception. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think I wish I look went back and looked at the stats as far as uh, how many games New England recorded an in, in interception. But seeing as they were the number one scoring defense in the NFL, I gotta believe it's most games that they probably did. So yeah, I I, I believe they'll they'll pick off at least one pass from Matt Ryan. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you guys as uh, as good as Ryan and the Falcons have been this this year. The Super Bowl is a different animal, and for the same reason, you know, I'm going to give away my pick a little bit in the Super Bowl here, but um, when, I, when I picked Green Bay over Dallas uh, earlier in the playoffs, I said that Dallas, uh, Green Bay had all the experience, and Dallas, you know, it's brand new for this quarterback, and uh, rookie or not, if you're playing in your first Super Bowl, it's it's different, and so it's going to be. You know, I'd, I'd say he may throw an interception early. Uh, so there I am. I'm going to say he's going to throw an interception. I'm going to say he's going to throw it early, but maybe settle down and do a little better. You know, do better the rest of the game. But once, uh, you know, those jitters are something that you can't quantify, but uh, they will be there. So we're going to sweep that one and say yes, he'll throw an interception. Okay. Okay, guys, it's time for the big one. We've got. Uh, the Super Bowl, Atlanta and New England. New England favored by three. Interesting thing on this line, it's pretty much stayed the same way ever since it came out. There maybe was a couple of three-and-a-halves, but New England has pretty much been three for the whole time, for the entire time. Uh, and the over-under has been 59 the entire time, too. Everybody's waiting for it to go up to three-and-a-half, and, and I think the books were afraid to take it up to three-and-a-half for fear they would just have a big flood of Atlanta money come in. So they pretty much kept it at three the entire time. You just, for some reason, reminded me, this is, I think, maybe the fourth time we've done a Super Bowl roundtable. Um, by the way, Nick, I think today is our official anniversary, two years at DFW. Um, not the first day of our podcast, first time of our podcast, but when the announcement was made official. But uh, So we've this is like the... I, I think it's the fourth, maybe the fifth time we've done a Super Bowl roundtable, but the first time we ever did when we had way too many people on, and we talked about the game, and I was like, oh, that's all we got for you, thanks. And uh, Mike, one of our guests, Mike Noda, was just like, um, are we going to pick the winners of the game? <laughs> we had to talk about all these other things, and, and I, didn't even, I didn't even thought about it. I was just like, ah, who cares, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, wow. I... As much as much as I want Atlanta to win, and I think that they can, and I know, and Mark really made really good sense about the two weeks off is it good for Atlanta? You know, they can just kind of take it all in. But he gave Belichick two weeks. That's the thing that keeps popping back into my head, and I just, I just can't bet against that. You gave Belichick two weeks to prepare for your team. I mean, Tom Brady said. 
right after they beat Pittsburgh, he was up till one thirty in the morning looking at their depth chart, figuring out who were the players were on their team. And that's just the mindset of that entire organization. They're just they're on to the next battle. You know, they're just they'll celebrate. Yes, they'll have fun after they win the Super Bowl. But they 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 are ready. They've given the two solid weeks of focus to this game. Uh, when it's all said and done, we see that kick off at five forty on Sunday, our Central Time. So, I just. I mean, I know I know that doesn't have anything to do with the spread, but I'll take I'm gonna take I'm gonna take New England. I think they can cover, and I'm I'm gonna say it's under because I think I think you know like you said a few times in the, these playoff games. I think if you like Atlanta, you probably leaning to over, but if you like New England, you have to think they're gonna control the ball and keep this under 59 points because I know they busted that 61 number, but uh, that's. Out of principle, it's, it's always smart to bet under that huge number in the NFL. So I'll take the Patriots minus three points, and I'll say under is fifty nine and a half. No, just fifty nine. Just fifty nine. Well, that changes everything. No, yeah, just under fifty nine. <laughs> Nick, what do you got? Um, I agree. I'll be rooting for Atlanta. I, I do hope that they are able to win their first Super Bowl, but uh, I, I just can't. Uh, I can't bet against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I have a feeling that I, while I believe that those two are the best quarterback and uh, head coach of all time, there could be an argument for other players and coaches at that posi- at those positions. So I think that irritates Belichick and Brady, and they want to really cement their status in the uh, legends of the NFL. So I think New England's going to win this game pretty commandingly. Uh, I, I do I I do agree it's probably going to be under. I don't you know six fifty nine points that's that that's a lot of points especially with the number one defense in the NFL in play here with New England. So I'm going to go under, but I do think New England wins this game. Well, this is scary. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay with you guys on on both of those, and uh, it's my it's my philosophy that there's no substitute you can't learn experience in, in the two weeks leading up to the super bowl you can prepare for it as much as you want but um the experience in the super bowl i think just means so much and there so you know even though i i've got an interest in the falcons a few weeks ago i took the the falcons to win the super bowl at plus at seven to one but yeah i was kind of hoping that the patriots wouldn't be there <laughs> Uh, and, and now they're there, and I'll probably hedge a little bit and do and put a little bit on New England just to hedge my bet a little bit. But another thing I had on Atlanta was I made a, I did a teaser bet like three or four weeks ago, and the last team in my teaser was I took the NFC team, and it was NFC plus nine. So I've got the Falcons plus nine, and I've got the Falcons basically to win the game. So um, I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to hedge that. Uh, Atlanta scored on eight straight opening drives uh, this season. The the Patriots have allowed an average of 16 yards on opening drives. So there's a, these are little things I dug up in, in, uh, in researching the Super Bowl. This is the, you guys probably mentioned this, but it's the number one scoring offense versus the number one scoring defense. In the pri- five previous Super Bowls, when that happened, the defensive touchdown, uh, the defensive team is four and one. Um, mm-hmm. The only time that did happen was San Francisco versus Denver in '89, and uh, <laughs> I just think that uh, I think it, it, it's going to be I think it's going to be New England, 
and I'm also going to go under. The, the, the over-under started at 58, and it went up to 58 and a half, 59. It, went all, it did go up to 59 and a half at one time, Josh, but it settled back down at 59, and that's pretty much where it's been the entire time. Uh, Super Bowl is played close to the vest, and especially, you know, like I, I, I can't mention this enough, the experience in the Super Bowl is just going to hold down, you know, the Falcons' offense. They they aren't going to score as much just simply because it's a new surrounding and a, and a new situation. So I can't see Atlanta piling up the points. So it's going to be it's it's going to be a low scoring, close game. I'll take the uh, the Patriots minus three, and I'll take under fifty nine. Okay, and I think the last time we had the number one offense versus the number one defense was Seattle, Denver. So if you're looking for uh, a modern yeah. modern twist on that statistic. So when we uh, should have bet on the safety in that game, but uh, <laughs> isn't it weird yeah. to think that Denver had the number one offense when they've been known as such a defensive team over the years? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what happens when you get Peyton Peyton Manning. Uh, you know what's the best thing about question. making these picks, Josh? What's you know what's the best thing about making these picks? What? <laughs> That's the fact that we don't have another show until next fall, so we we don't have yeah. to go on the air and eat crow. <laughs> well, see, I was going to ask you to come on next week, but I guess I, I feel you better you, <laughs> you better deactivate your Twitter account. <laughs> um, All right. One thing we one thing I had though, kind of a water cooler discussion with some friends at work the other day. You know, Nick talked about the fact that, you know, Brady and Belichick are probably already the best coach and, and quarterback of all time. You know, the only thing I can see that people could really dig with against that argument is neither one of them have ever done it without each other. I mean, yeah, Brady was a Brady or Belichick was a D coordinator and he got, he got a ring that way. But if they, if you don't, know, look, let's say Belichick, you know, just decided to retire. What? And then Brady, Brady went on to win another Super Bowl without him. Or, you know, Brady retired and Belichick won one with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I think that would just have a little a bit of a different twist on their legacy. Any any thoughts there on that, Nick? That is definitely very valid. And uh, to prove your point here, um, for years, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, I argued that Joe Gibbs was the best head coach of all time because he won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. So, but, you know, at at this point now, I think Belichick has accomplished enough where he has definitely surpassed Joe Gibbs and every other head coach. Yeah, I think I think one reason that we think of Belichick as such a good coach is not is also because of the defenses and the, and the way he defends yeah. teams too. So, and Brady had nothing to do with that. Now, why didn't he do it when he was with Cleveland? <laughs> maybe they didn't. Maybe he just got the experience. Was, he knew what personnel he needed, and and everything came together. I don't know. And. That's how bad things are in Cleveland. Bill Belichick can't even win there. Sorry. Yeah, you know when he Sorry. was there, I had a, I had a couple friends from Cleveland, and they were just cussing him every week. That damn Belichick, <laughs> we got to get him out of here, and everything like that. And now I and and now I think about it, and it's like, well, you know, you just had a crappy team. That that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, who who was the uh, the quarterbacks that Joe Gibbs won with? 
Doug Williams, Mark Rippon, and and Joe Feisman. Oh, of course, Joe Feisman. I had to think. I was thinking they were, there was somebody between those two, but yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, it's like God, it wasn't Jay Schrader, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, hey, Jay hey, Schrader hey, did come in for a couple plays during Super Bowl Twenty Two. <laughs> he he did play in that game, but not for long. Hey, you guys, can I throw you one more interesting prop just to think about before you uh, yeah. before we say goodbye? Um, and I found yeah. this one last week, and it's very interesting. Will either Tom Brady or Matt Ryan? record 415 or more passing yards to break the championship record of 414 wow. set by Kurt Warner. Now, it's interesting because the yes on this one is plus 400. Huh. Four to one. The record is four, 414, huh? So was that... in, these, in these days of quarterbacks throwing for routinely throwing for 500 yards, well, I don't know routinely, mm-hmm. but, you know, you, you see it quite like often. 400, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, surprised that that's, that that's the Super Bowl record, 414. And, gosh, that was Kurt Warner, huh? Yeah. That's crazy. I th- you would think that um, uh, that should have been a trivia question. But... Uh, <laughs> Wasn't that like a low? Wasn't that like a twenty-three seventeen Super Bowl? You think you think it would be one of those, you know, like fifty-five to seven drubbing, uh, like a, like a, you know, like didn't Steve Young throw like five touchdown passes when they when they scored like fifty-nine points against San Diego? You think that that would that would have constituted more yards there? But uh, that's a that's a good stat. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't think anybody can. Not in this game. I think if I was going to put my money on one person to go like over 350, I think I would probably say uh, Matt, Matt Ryan. But uh, I just think that's not going to be. Well, it's be crazy to think about you. You'd, not have, gonna be... you'd have to bet no, right? Because Brady is known, you know, more as a ball control, not you know, long bomb yeah. thrower. Although he does. Yeah. And then Matt Ryan um, going against the Patriots, who are the number one defense and have given up the, the fewest amount of yards. And you know, if, you know, if he if he goes over four fourteen against that defense, that that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kurt Warner has the number two mark too. Actually, he has all of the top three marks in Super Bowl history. How about that? Four fourteen versus Tennessee. Three seventy seven versus. Pittsburgh when he was in Arizona and 365 when he played when they lost to New England. That's that's crazy. I would not have guessed that. But anyway, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I would have not have guessed that either. Uh, I agree with you. I I cannot uh, I cannot envision either of these quarterbacks going over 400 yards just because the two defenses are too solid. Um, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it surprises me. That that it's only four to one, really. Actually, so uh, yeah, I have to go under. Okay. And Steve Young, Steve Young threw six touchdown passes versus San Diego. Interesting. Six. That'll be a tough one to break. Yeah. How about how about this one? Rich Gannon five interceptions versus Tampa Bay. Ouch. Hey, wait a minute. Now, so when Young <laughs> threw for those six touchdowns, how many yards did he have, Josh? Do you have that in front of you? I, I don't. One second here. I'm sure I could figure That's – yeah, and 
uh, Montana threw for uh, five in a Super Bowl, too. So I just, yeah, it's just crazy to think that they didn't throw for that many yards. So there's a prop for you. Will either quarterback throw at least five touchdown passes and stay under 400 yards? <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you ever find that punt one? No, no. I uh, okay. <laughs> I can't believe it That's doesn't okay. exist. Well, there's always the famous one, will any team score three times in a row? It's the biggest sucker bet ever because everybody bets no, and it always comes out yes, almost always. <laughs> and by the time you go to uh, bet three, it, it's it's. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say Steve Young, three hundred twenty-five yards. Is that all, man? Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, he also led the Forty ers in rushing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Well, I remember that not being a fun Super Bowl to watch. Oh. Somehow, somehow, the Stan Humphrey-led Chargers did score 26 points, though. So, <laughs> probably all in junk with time. Nature, yeah, with nature on mean business. Uh, wow. But anyway, that is all. Didn't we Junior Seau? Junior Seau played in that game too, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. All right, you guys. Yeah. It has been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Thank you for for being our our man all season. And like I said, if you want, if there's a reason for you to eat crow, we'll have you come back next week. Or, or, or you just want to ride off into the sunset? Yeah, if we want, just want if you want to do a short one to review the bets. I'm uh, my boss is getting sure. kind of tired of me not being available on Wednesdays, but um, so. uh, I th- we'll, we'll sneak one more in. Yeah, yeah, let's all do right. it. Cool. I hope you wrote them all down. I did. <laughs> I have them all on my chart awesome. here, and. Uh, uh, you guys, good luck on the Super Bowl. I don't know where you're watching it or what you're doing. You know, my my preference is always just to watch it at home with me and maybe one or two other people, so I can hear what they're saying. But I know a lot of people are going yeah. to Super Bowl parties, so just have a great weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son is a Patriots fan. I think you guys have heard me say that before, so I'm sure probably it'll just be me and him and him overreacting to every every play. <laughs> so that's what we have in store for us here. Um, well, one thing one thing you get to do when you only have a few people is you get to watch the commercials too, which are very yeah, oh entertaining. Yeah. My wife, my wife loves the commercials. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I felt kind of disappointed from the commercials last year, but uh, oh well. You're right. I didn't think they were up to their. They really uh, got to shock you nowadays, you know. Yeah, they just really got to shock you nowadays. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go find something, something about, else to uh, do during halftime when Gaga is on and probably blasting the president right. with every chance. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That'll be fun. But you don't you want to see what color her hair is? Yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, tur- I'll, tur- I'll turn the sound down. How's that? All right. Cool. Okay. Oh, by the way, well, I'm saying you, it's going to be – I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be green, so that'll be my uh, – That'll be my entry. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's that's a wild card because I feel like she goes blonde a whole lot. A whole lot, but we'll see. <laughs> blonde has got to be the favorite. <laughs> okay, yeah. you guys, thanks. I'll let you go. Right. <laughs> Take care. Have a great weekend. All right, now, Gaga's hair, what do you think? Peach or apricot? Are those two similar? Uh, um.
I ha- I have no idea. I know last year's Super Bowl <laughs> halftime, uh, my roommate and I threw in an old Sepultura music video uh, to, <laughs> instead of you know watching the garbage that the NFL puts out there for the Super Bowl halftime. Oh. So I imagine we'll be some- doing something uh, similar to that for halftime. Uh, I heard on the radio this morning that this is they've only had major music acts at the Super Bowl since 1991. Before that, they just had like marching bands. And I think, I didn't hear the end of the trivia question, but I think the very first Super Bowl act was uh, the New Kids on the Block. So there you go. Um, from Jay Trader to the New Kids on the Block, this has been the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we will return to kind of our, our regular format, more of an off-season uh, mode next week. Uh, you know, Dynasty Trade Analysis, uh Dynasty Dilemma is going to be, we're going to go right at the top. Rookie running backs, Nick. I think it's your choice. Yeah, it's your choice. Uh, Delvin Cook versus Leonard Fournette. More than likely the top two picks in a lot of Dynasty drafts. So we're going we're gonna to hit, hit the offseason hard and charging with that one next week. So make sure, you, make sure you check that out. Talk to you next week, Nick. Enjoy the Super Bowl. You too. It's a bit cheesy and a bit 80s, but I think a lot of the ideas are still are still pretty valid. Okay. Oh my God! The quarterback is toast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.